Hello, friends. It's time to drop the needle on another episode of Super Sonic Chat. This is the music podcast full of debates, jousts, and various thought experiments, all done in the name of entertainment. My name is Adrian Warhope. And I'm Leon Leroux. Adrian, as keeper of the questions and the crafter of the conundrums, what provocative treats have you planned for us today, sir? Leon, again, we present ourselves prostrate before the judges of our musical crimes. We present our and confess our crimes of albums, classic albums that we have never, ever listened to. There are many, actually, when you think about it. There are so, there are so many. And we will pay penance one album confession at a time. So we've done this before. Until we've listened to everything in the everything. world. Everything. No, the masterpieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just so amazing. Bits. We realized there were albums that stood the test of time that were put up on the mantelpiece as classic albums that we had never listened to. Just quietly, we confessed to each other. Have you ever listened to that album? No. No. We've got to do it. So yeah. it's just a great way to break out from our regular five or ten records we listen to, our go-to playlists or whatever it is, make ourselves listen to something different and have a chat about it. Yeah. So today's- it's like a review without the numbers. Oh, which is right up our alley. Throwback yeah. to the Search for the Perfect Album episode. Today we got two records which we've never listened to. The first one is Bob Dylan's Highway 61 Revisited. Boom. And the second one is Joni Mitchell's Blue. Also boom. Here we go. Amazing. They're both amazing pieces, but, um, yeah, never heard them in our lives. Never had. And I put on, we've given ourselves, what, a couple of weeks to listen through these, gather gather our thoughts. Well, I've, I've been listening to these for uh, three or four weeks now. Good. Uh, let's squeeze your brain and see what juice spills out into the uh, the receptacle today. <laughs> So let's start with Bob Dylan, man. This is Bob Dylan's sixth album from 1965, nine songs, 51 minutes. Yeah. This is the first completely electric album in his canon. Um, It went on to be critically lauded. Is it? Yep. Before that, it was just him and an acoustic guitar and a harmonica. It was was commercially successful. Um, Rolling Stone named it the fourth best album of all time, hence- we realized that we'd never. Now, I've got a com- confession. I've never given Dylan any time. Neither. Dylan is not a hero to me. Dylan wasn't relevant to me. Dylan no. was another era back then, back in the day. Maybe it was my parents' music. Yeah. It didn't cut through. I knew of him. Yeah. And to be honest, the first thing I knew about him was um, that movie about uh, called Hurricane, uh, the boxing movie. Yeah. 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 He wrote a song about yep. it, something. Yep. So. What are your thoughts? Part of um, what I've first heard of Dylan and but never bothered listening to him is people going on and raving about how amazing he is. And then I go, oh, okay, I'll have a listen. And then having a little having a little listen and going, yuck. Yes. Because I, I fully expected to hate this album with a passion. Like I fully expected to hate everything about it. Why? Um, because every every time I have a have a one little listen. Um, the the sound of the dude's yep. voice is it just kills me. Won't you come see me, Queen J? Right, like, and 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 plus also he's got sort of these lyrics that seem to ramble, and you're sort of going, "What the hell are you talking about?" Right, so he's, he's going, yep. 
and the businessman, he jumped off a ladder, and he opened up an umbrella and came to a fall, and you're going, what are you talking about, man? I don't get it. And 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 also, like, he's not really singing. Like, he's just kind of speaking over the top. And the thing that especially made me first switch Bob Dylan off all those years ago when I first had a go was that goddamned harmonica yeah. that just keeps cropping up over and over again. Come see me, Queen G. And it's just, to me, it's kind of grating, you know, like it, it, it got a little bit on my nerves. However, upon many other listens, I started to understand what was going on with Dylan. And I started to warm to Dylan. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I had the same experience. Did you really? Yeah. And I've written the word rambling and we'll talk about the lyrics because I think there are two things. It's the lyrics and the voice. Yeah that are yeah. striking in both these albums and we'll address them separately. His voice, when he sings, I realise that he hammers on the consonant of a word rather than opening up his voice on the vowel of oh, a word. yeah, right. So if he was going to sing the word rain, he doesn't sing rain. He goes rain. Oh, I got it. Yeah, and at he, the end hammers on right. the, the end, yeah, yeah. right? Sam said, tell me quick, man, I got to run. And that means that that gives it. Uh, that's hard to land in tune. Humming. Well, it's, it's easy to land a, a big, broad vowel sound in tune. Yeah. But when you land on the consonant and you hold the consonant, it goes in and out of tune, and that's awkward. But also, what I've learned, what I've what I've learned from listening to it is that he can sing. Yes, but it's a it is a deliberate choice to almost speak over the top of these these songs, and and I started realizing that it was something that not something that he lacks in terms of ability to sing, but is something that he's deliberately deciding this is the the audible aesthetic that I want to convey. And I think uh, once I kind of penetrated into into this album, it's actually a pretty tough, pretty gritty. And I thought pretty um, cool and interesting delivery. I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it is. And, and But what I think it does is speaks to the time in which it was made and, you know, beat poets and, like, folk singers and um, protests. And, and, and it almost sounds like a protest over the top of, of the music. And, and at first what it seemed to me to be just, like, just free association you know, words that were just sort of slammed together to be different or weird. Slowly the meanings and I think some of the songs are probably just free association. They're yeah. not really not, not really any Coherent. particular mm. message. But some of the songs are very, very like as the um, metaphors and ideas start to unravel are actually really 
interesting. Yes. And meaningful and tell a story that, that speaks of revolution and speaks of um, trying to defy establishment and trying to develop equality for people who are downtrodden. And it's, it captures that moment of time so eloquently. Yep. I think of its day, you think about in the 60s, 1965, the cultural and political revolution and upheaval is happening amongst the young people in America of that time. Yeah. This would have been a voice for those for that generation. It would have been vital. It would have been energizing and it would have been really captivating. And I think it's probably, I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say it is similar in the way that rap today captivates and hip-hop today captivates the youth of America in the 2020s um, with the cultural upheaval that's happening there amongst Black Lives Matter, um, police brutality, um, equality for women and all that kind of stuff. It's it's the voice of youth saying something. His lyrics are like an absurdist roll call often of historical and mythical characters like there's Noah (laughs) and Cain and Abel and Robin Hood and Jack the Ripper and Albert Einstein all in in one. And I'm often thinking like, what the hell is this guy talking about? But Because it's I wrote it's rambling, same as you did. But Mm -hmm. it is quite visually striking and it reminds me of myth and the book of revelations from Bible, uh, from the Bible, like strong visions of a mad prophet, like, what yeah, is this? Yeah. But it kind of details this, you know, crazed America. It's exciting. It's much more exciting than I thought it would be. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like the musical equivalent of um, watching a David Lynch film. <laughs> That's a great example. You know? Yeah. You're, you're yeah. like, you you walk away from the film going, whoa, what did I just watch? And same after you hear Bob Dylan. Having said that, like there was many times, I've listened to this thing I reckon about eight times, maybe nine times, and I reckon that most of those times I'd get to near the end and I'd go, oh, man, that's enough, and I'd, <laughs> I'd turn it off and I'd come back to it later because it is, it's very intense and, and it's, it's not an easy listen. But it's rewarding. I find it rewarding. Unlike Lulu th- from the previous episode about collaboration, that was a tough listen and unrewarding. <laughs> Oh, you know, yeah. it was interesting. Oh, that was at such parts, a tough like part. I said. Oh, but, but this yeah. is rewarding. Yeah. Like that's true. Let me can I just bring up a couple of examples in Tombstone Blues in the third verse. Yeah, the, the lyrics are: Well, John the Baptist, after torturing a thief, looks up at his hero, the commander in chief, saying, "Tell me, great hero, but please make it brief. Is there a hole for me to get sick in?" The commander-in-chief answers while chasing a fly, saying, death to all those who would whimper and cry, drops a barbell, points to the sky, the sun's not yellow, it's chicken. What the hell is that about? You penetrated a bit. John the Baptist, right, Jesus' uh, predecessor, you know, yeah, uh, know. cousin, uh, uh, you know, looks up at his commander-in-chief. You think that's Jesus? No. The commander-in-chief is another name for the president of the USA, right? And the president... Jesus, the president, you know, death to those who would whimper and cry, yeah. mm-hmm. John the Baptist being sick, yep. you know. Yeah, which is also a nod to a nod to what Jesus said. Correct. Um, um, like blessed are the meek and saying the opposite of that and saying American culture is the opposite and saying death to the meek. Yep, and it's co-opting religion for political purposes, which was is is and was and is still very common in, in America. Um, you know, you delve, delve into these metaphors, they're confronting, they're provocative, um, they're yeah. interesting. And, yeah. you know, like a good parable, 
for those who have ears to listen, you may seek understanding. There's something there. Yeah. Yeah. Let them hear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John the Baptist, after torturing a thief, looks up at his hero, the commander in chief, saying, Tell me, great hero, but please make it brief. Is there a hole for me to get sick in? The commander-in-chief answers him while chasing a fly, saying death to all those who would whimper and cry. And dropping a barbell, he points to the sky, saying the sun's not yellow, it's chicken. It's it's interesting as well, um, the very first song. Um, ro- ro- like a Rolling Stone. It's uh, like a Rolling Stone. To me, just uh, similar at first. And then, and then after about three lessons, I was like, oh, hang on. This is talking about a privileged rich person who finds themselves homeless and then it's actually very clear once you realize what it's all about it's it, that's not one of those rambling things whereas and, and i reckon with more and more listens most of the songs would become the meanings would become very plain after listening to them for a, a long long time ain't it hard when you discover that he really wasn't I don't do a lot of research as well, you yeah. know, for this sort of stuff. I just listen and get into it. And no, I, I like that. Don't really and, and react and give a true response. However, um, I did I did remember that Bob Dylan won a prize and he won the Pulitzer Prize for Literature. The Nobel Prize. Was it the Nobel? The Nobel Prize, right. He won in 2016 the Nobel Prize for, for literature. literature. Yeah, I knew I knew it was something massive like that. And 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 I was like, and so I didn't I didn't look it up or anything like that, but I thought, wow, this guy's what what is it about the the thing that he is the things that he've done that so many people of authority have gone, yep, this is so significant. And I think one of the things is that music didn't tend to deal with these and wrestle with these very, very difficult issues when Bob Dylan was doing all this writing. And, and, and I was trying to think of an example where somebody else was really hard hitting like Bob Dylan. Beatles didn't really do anything hard hitting. Like, you know, no. well, you know, none of those people who were massive at the time didn't, they didn't really. And music of the fifties and stuff, it was just, you know, Steen Martin and, and just was sort of all a bit yeah. lighthearted kind of stuff. Doing Whereas, the twist, chubby checker, you know, rock and roll. It. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so this sort of stuff made me go, oh, hang on. Even though we're used to metaphor and deeper meanings in music now, it wasn't like that then. This guy was absolute cutting edge at the time. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. If we can move move on from, you know, the lyrics, because the lyrics are, uh, are great, mm. are interesting, mm. are powerful and, and, and different. Sure. The music is the, ne- is the next thing, you know, from this. And, and what I like about this album is that it is that kind of place where the blues meets um, poetry. And it's the kind of place where folk meets meets rock and roll. It's like a melding of those four kind of things, which mm. wasn't that prevalent at the time, and and you know has been worked and inspired by this since. So there's lots of stuff similar since. But I just think that um, some of the elements of of electric rock, of blues, of of folk, um, 
is really interesting. The music was actually pretty cool um, and I liked it. It was quite engaging. Um, I liked the first eight tracks. The ninth track, which is just, again, like 11 verses with a strange refrain and him yep. playing an acoustic guitar and wheezing on the harmonica, yep. got too much for me. Yeah, too much. That's probably, I think that's about the time where I always turned it off, like at that, about that ninth track. That ninth track is 11 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're all a bit long. Like at, at times I was thinking, this just needs to, this song should finish by now. Um, because not because there's yeah. not enough to say, but just because he sort of said it all really succinctly already, and the song doesn't change it, um, in in its ideas or um, tempo or um, musicianship or anything like that, it just stays pretty much the same verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and verse, chorus, and maybe another verse and maybe another chorus, and for a long time. Yes, great example is "Ballad of a Thin Man." So this is a. When I kind of looked into that, right, yeah. the lyrics is something like something is happening here but you don't know what it is and I think it's aimed at yeah. um, people judging either Dylan's work or on, on a macro scale maybe elders of society or, or media judging the youth of the day, right? Because something is happening here but you don't know what it is, do you, Mr. Jones? The first verse is is quite, you know, you, you can access it, but then there's seven verses in total yep. that get more abstract as it goes on. There's no <laughs> chorus, but it has this kind of refrain. And by the end of it, you're like, you know, just some self-editing, Bob, please. Just cut it in half and that is perfect. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. Oh, two and, abstract and verses, like- three abstract verses. Oh, let's go for five abstract verses. <laughs> Crosses himself and then he clicks his high heels And without further notice he asks you how it feels And he says here is your throat back, thanks for the loan Yeah, with that, with that particular song I, I got the sense of, you know, here's the, the hippie culture that we're trying to, trying to generate at this time and it's like a, a person who's accidentally walked in on, on this culture and has just gone, what the hell is all this? And I think that at times those lyrics are deliberately confusing so that um, it gives you the sense of how this person who's accidentally walked in is feeling. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that the, at times, same as the others, that metaphor might slowly dawn on you, but probably at times as well it's just sort of free verse kind of, you know, hippie stuff. Yeah, Ram, weird stuff. <laughs> like, okay, we probably need to talk about Highway 61, both the actual highway song. and the, the song and the name of the yeah. album. So Highway yeah. 61 is that highway that runs from north to south in America, right in the middle of America, that runs through the Delta country, the blues country, um, you know, the backwoods, and where all this great music derived from was born, you know, that true American um, blues roots. So I think Bob is saying... Highway 61 revisited. I am tipping my hat on my sixth album that my heart, my my roots are firmly in the the blues, the folk, and the and the the heartland of American music. Um, and I and I quite like that. Yeah. Um, as a as a concept album or a or a theme for the full album, I I, I quite liked that. 
Um, yeah. He actually says that yeah. I, I was reading about uh, doing some research and he said, you know, he described the kinship he felt with that root um, the, of the title, saying that the, it was the main thoroughfare of the country blues um, and it begins about where he began. And he always felt that he'd started on it, that he'd always been on it, and it could go anywhere, even down through the deep Delta country. You know, it was the same road full of contradictions, one horse towns, and the same spiritual ancestors. Um, and that's his place in the universe. That's mm. where, where what's in his blood. So I quite like that as a tie in for the record. Yeah. Just on um, that music that you were talking about before, because um, you were saying, let's go away from the lyrics and off to the music. I think the lyric for me, the, the music didn't grab me. I don't sort of yeah. get that style of music, but I also at the same time understand why people do like it um but yeah the lyrics were the only thing that kept me there for dylan see i liked i mean i like um blues and traditional music and roots music and that kind of stuff um yeah me too yeah the 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 hard thing was that it does feel like for both these albums and this album in particular i think it does feel like you are peering back through time through a curtain to another era and you are handling an artifact you're looking at a museum piece you go yeah. back then this was valuable and now we must revere it and value it and put it on a pedal yes and and look at it rather than being vital and current and new right now yes it did feel because of the music and the production style um being recorded quite straight and and being quite traditional in its structure. And I know he was probably doing revolutionary things back then. Yeah. But 50 years down the track, it it is hard for me to go, um, this is a current, fresh, vital album. Yeah. I do feel like I'm peering back through a curtain at another era, at an artifact from another time. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Um, I didn't hate it like I hated listening to The Who. <laughs> um, that was really, that, like, that was a struggle for me. Yeah, cool. But um, I... I didn't like I didn't engage with it I didn't love it and go wow yeah this is such a great sound I just the thing that grabbed me was the lyrics but the music was for me just neither here nor there yeah well you look at the the opening track uh, like a rolling stone it goes for six minutes but it is just a very simple circular chord progression around acoustic guitar and like an organ or Rhodes piano or something like that It's cool. It's interesting. Um, it's not revolutionary. The lyrics and the lyrical content and that chorus are what anchor you to the song. Yeah. Um, how does yeah. it feel? How do you feel to be on your own like a Rolling Stone, No Direction Home, like just accusatory, directional, strong, yeah. anthemic chorus? You're right. I agree. It is The music isn't the power. The lyrics are the power. Yeah, which is, I think, why he won that prize for literature, not music. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, for sure. Look, Something of note too, when you buy the record and you flip it over to the back, on the back of the album, Bob Dylan writes two full columns of free association writing. It is very strange. (laughs) Uh, And it probably sums up him. Like he wrote some weird free association books. Right. And his lyrics are quite chaotic and rambling and and hard to tie together as we talked about. Um, just a little bit. Okay, go. It starts like this. It just says, um, on the slow train, time does not interfere. And at the Arabian crossing waits white heap, the man from the newspaper and behind him, the hundred inevitables made of solid rock and stone. And it just goes, that's just one sentence. It goes on for like full 
400 words. Yeah, it still paints a picture though. Paints a picture. I reckon it's dense. It's hard to access. But yeah. fans, and we talked about super fans and being vulnerable and falling in love yeah. and having a relationship or getting some connection, yeah. Bob is quite yeah. He's he's sharing something. He's saying yeah. something. Well, that's that's why I initially tried because I, I met some of these fans who were, were just absolutely nuts about Bob Dylan. And I thought, well, I've got to see what all the fuss is He put about. a record out last year. The guy's 80 years old. He put a record out last year. I think it was called Rough and Rowdy Ways. And I and it was a big success, critically acclaimed, sold very well. Um, you know, there are fans that have followed him right through his long and extended career, um, yeah. which is very interesting. Look, uh, I found this album very literate. I found it had depth. Yeah. It had substance. Yeah. It was challenging to the ear. Yeah. Because of the lyrics and the vocal delivery, but it was interesting and it was rewarding. Yes, yes. And the the, the two big things that are engaging for me are the lyrics and the voice. You know, that that's 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 the stuff that yeah. drew me in and, and hooked me in. Um I'm just I'll glad go back and listen to that this I've record. got a chance to to hear what the fuss is all about and to really think about what the fuss is all about. And I but I don't reckon I'd go back to the record um for regular listens it's just that um now i sort of i think i get it a little more as to why at first i was kind of i was like yep i was right this is pretty terrible but then uh, it it started to sink in and uh, and it started to and i started to go i should really have another listen to that you know whereas when i was listening when i have to listen to something i don't want to listen to i go oh here we go whereas there was something that was quite Curious that kept my curiosity there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, again, the last track, um, I, I would not, Desolation Row, I'll just skip that. That wasn't for me. Um, mm. I would dip into any of the first eight tracks and um, and be pleasantly surprised and, uh, and enjoy that listen. Okay. Why don't we move on to the second record, which is Joni Mitchell's 1971 album, Blue. Yeah. Uh, just by way of introduction, this is her fourth studio album. She's a Canadian singer-songwriter. Uh, this came out in 1971, written and produced entirely by Joni Mitchell. Um, very interesting. Many people have called this the greatest female singer-songwriter of all time. Whoa. Picked it number three on the UK albums chart, number nine on the Canadian chart at the time, number 15 at the Billboard US chart. So it had some commercial success as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lots of lots of plaudits around this record. Rolling Stone have named it the third greatest album of all time in their 500 greatest albums of all time. Okay, in 2020, this was. Oh, really? Off. So we listened to three and four just now. I think we did. Bloody hell! There you go. So, <laughs> so we listened, to, and it was funny because listening to both of those side by side with each other, I listened to both of those back to back just before we recorded, just to just to make sure that it was nothing I wanted to add. That I'd already thought hadn't thought of, and listening to both of them, there's they've both got a um, very sort of a folk feel, very sort of just guitar and singer feel, and um, I think they both also paint very vivid pictures. Yeah, the the keys for this record again are the lyrics and the voice. This is a quintessential yeah. singer-songwriter album. This is a, a an artist yeah. and an instrument. There are very few, if any, drums or percussive accompaniments. This is, you know, starts yeah. with the guitar, the second song moves into piano, a lot of, lot of piano, and it is just mm-hmm. stripped down, vulnerable, 
lyrically driven uh, singer songwriter record with a beautiful voice. I am on a lonely road and I am traveling, 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 looking for something. What can it be? Oh, I hate you some. I hate you some. I love. Really interesting. Oh, the beautiful. I wrote there's got a really beautiful lilt to the voice. Yeah, I, I wrote that. And um, my, one of my favourite bits was the, the the interesting blues scales that were chosen for this whole thing as well. And, you know, like my criteria is that I'm, if, as long as I'm constantly surprised by the music, it keeps me interested and it makes me enjoy it. And the, all those weird surprising flats and sharps that came striking through um, was wonderful but then also sounding sweet and sublime as well and um so it was like not the structure or the instruments or anything that kept me going but the, the actually the melody and the notes themselves it is stunning the way she, Joni Mitchell uses her voice the voice for me interesting like Bob Dylan I had to get past an initial strong reaction to it it wasn't um as warm and welcoming it was a little oh. bit um confronting in the way it arpeggiated up and down scales and it wasn't a linear delivery. This isn't a pop album. That's what I have to keep telling myself. No. There is This is an equal parts, parts jazz, equal parts folk. And you're right. Yep. So, a real signature um, was that the way that Joni Mitchell decides to deliver the, the lines up and down a scale, jumping up and down a scale, and then hitting some of those jazz minor notes at the end of certain um, lines was stunning. I want to talk to you. I want to shampoo you. I want to renew you again and again. Applause, applause. Life is our cause. When I think of your kisses, my mind sees songs. Do you see? Do you see? Do you see how you heard me, baby? So I heard you too. Really, yeah, stunning. yeah, very particularly engaging. Particularly on, on, particularly on that song, "My Old Man." Yeah, that one was my favorite of the album. It kept me, like, it kept. Me, I listened to that one more than the re- the rest of the songs, particularly because of those exactly what you were talking about, and um, it, it, like, it's pretty much just a blues scale. But because of the way her she uses her voice and she has her um, her voice right up in that head voice section rather than like in the throat or the chest, um, it, it just doesn't have a blues feel um, in terms of what you imagine blues is like. So it gives us a bit of a fresh perspective or a different kind of life into those musical scales. Yeah. I mean, I would call it more jazz than blues, but we're, we're in the same ballpark. You know, the, the, the it is constantly yeah. surprising in a wonderful um, fresh way the way the way the vocals are delivered um it's it's sonically beautiful yeah yeah and being a quintessential singer songwriter album the lyrics are, are wonderful this is poetic it is yeah. relational it's observational and it's experiential and i wrote that it it is um it is quite specific in its narrative and its story, you know, uh, about relating about yeah. talking to, to men and, and being in love and certain singular experiences in a, in a bar or whatever. But 
the concepts are universally um, appealing and, and such universal in nature that it's very easy to be engaged by. It, it really is draw, you get drawn in. Yeah. It has this wonderful knack of being specific but universal. Um, you know, you talk about my yeah, old man. I think once, yeah, one thing that um, I that I was um, struck by when I was listening to that is it constantly reminded me of that song by Bob Dylan um, from a Buick Six because in that one she's talking she's in her one she's talking about a particular significant man and in the other one he's talking about particular significant woman And there's the sort of a sense of a complex relationship going on with both of them. Um, there's different relational things that 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 I found that I kept thinking about each one of those songs when I was listening to the other. It was kind of kind of interesting, but it was the the all the just the notes that I uh, really struck me in that song. But throughout the whole album, I wrote down that. I, there was a constant feeling, the constant sense of purity, freedom, and beauty. That was the the things that stuck out for me as as great adjectives for that yeah. particular album. I wrote down free as well. It was very free, you know. Did you? It's quite vulnerable. <laughs> it's a very vulnerable record. Yeah, she, she's not leaving anything yep. uh, in un, unwritten. She's letting it all out. This is yep. very insightful. Yep. Right into the heart of her personal life, um, from what I can gather. Yeah. I said the I wrote that her voice is full of soul and love. Whenever she, whenever she's, you can feel just exactly what you're saying, like like something personal coming through. Yeah, and I enjoyed her use of lyrics much more than uh, uh, in a different way than Bob Dylan. In more immediate, they're more immediate. They're not abstract. Like for example, in My Old Man, this. Uh, line where she says, but when he's gone, me and them lonesome blues collide. The bed's too big, the frying pan's too wide. How great is the choice of note that goes with that partic- those particular lines because the, those choice of notes really um, express that feeling as well. Yeah. Oh, it's it's wonderful. Um, in all I want, you know, she talks about I'm on a lonely road and I'm traveling. It's, this is a metaphor. It's beautiful. Traveling, 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 looking for something. What can it be? Oh, I hate you some. I hate you some. I love you some. I love you when I forget about yeah. me. Yeah. Oh man, personal. I know, but universal. It's, it's amazing. 
Yeah, yeah totally. Um, and and what's I, what struck me as well is that every song it sort of sounded kind of just the this sort of sounded similar to each other, you know, like that that wasn't a lot of musical variety going on in in terms of what was happening in terms of the the songwriting, but I didn't get bored no. at all. Like I just it kept me interested the whole time. Yeah, I, um, on first listen, you're right. Um, but what again hooked me in was once you start getting attached to the stories and the lyrics and the lines and the narrative, then when you revisit yeah. the album, you have a platform or a foundation where you're already, you're there, you, you, you're familiar, you know this story, you know this friend, you know this person going through this experience and and you, you're right there. It yeah. took me a while just to get to yeah. that point. That's what all great albums do. They have depth. They are rewarding. Uh, uh, correct. Yeah, they grow on you. We must talk about the name of the album and the cover art. The album is called Blue. Oh, yeah. The cover art is a beautiful yeah. close-up um, photo of Joni, eyes closed in the moment, singing into a microphone with a wonderful blue tone yeah. right across it. Um, do you? Yeah. I, I, I then looked up the lyrics of all the songs. Ten tracks of the ten albums. Five of the uh, of, of of the ten songs. Five of the songs have the word blue in the lyrics, and it's a real theme. Do they? Yes. And one's called blue. Correct. Yep. All about blues, feeling blue, the color blue. Um, this is an emotional mm. album and a relational album. And it's a, you know, there's breakups, there's confrontations, there's yeah. hating yourself because you're yep. in love with the wrong guy. Um, and, and, yeah. and I think it sums it up wonderfully blue, the, the, the color, the, the emotion. Um, and the lyric. I thought that was wonderful. The, the choice of musical scales used. Oh, of course, of course. The blues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> R- really, really yeah. good. Because, I mean, you, you picked on jazz and, and and I said blues, but they're essentially the same scales that they use. Yeah, just just expressed in slightly different different ways. Different tempos and different ways, yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, the song Carrie had a, had a slight calypso feel with some congos or bongos or something and some rhythm yeah. guitar. The wind is in from Africa. Last night I couldn't sleep. Oh, you know it sure is hard to leave here, Carrie, but it's really not my home. And I think that mm-hmm. was the single at the time, but, but that was just interesting. But other than that, you're right, it is just a, an artist and an instrument, and I found that, Wonderful! I found it really wonderful. It wasn't a pop album, but it had yeah. pop aesthetics. But it was expressed in this wonderful um, blues, jazz, jazz way. Um, I've heard a lot of people. And did you pick up that funny way that? Did you pick up that funny way in the song "River" and the like? Jingle bells was kind of riffed around at the it end. Was, there. It was like a Christmas. Is this a Christmas song? Yeah. What's happening? Yeah. River was the only yeah, song the I knew. Ice skating imagery and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, right. I didn't know any of them at River. all. I had no no preconceptions or anything going into this. Like I had preconceptions of Dylan thinking that I wouldn't like it, but I had no no idea about what to expect at all. I knew um so the album before this is her fourth album. The album before this was was um ha- had a more of a, a pop folk feel and it had Big Yellow Taxi. I don't know if you know the song Big Yellow Taxi. No. It was covered by some pop stars. Um they they put up a parking lot. What's the lyric? They 
tear down a something to put up a park. Oh, I know that song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's her song, right? It's a two and a half minute pop folk song on the album prior. That's about all I knew of Joni Mitchell, Mm -hmm. to be honest. And I knew a lot of singer songwriters referenced her as inspiration, um, which was cool. Yeah. I do have one negative. Sure. Right. What annoyed me in a similar way to what annoyed me with um, the use of harmonica, the overuse of harmonica with Bob Dylan was at times I found her use of vibrato was like too much for me. Um, Particularly on that song, Blue. Okay. Um, I found it was just like, whoa, like pick a note. <laughs> it just was kind <laughs> of, it got, it got a little, it got a little heavy on the vibrato. But I mean, I tend to shy away from that sound from a singer anyway. Um, but other than that, and and the fact that I got the sense of just the constant sort of idealistic hippie kind of thing, sort of mood going on. Other than that, I enjoyed this thoroughly. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, really enjoyed it. I think it veered away from being the the hippie aspect of the '60s folk, yeah, and brought it into yeah. strong narrative, relational stories, uh, which was yeah. which is everything that a great singer songwriter album needs to be for me. Um, it was multi dimensional. It was complex. Yep. It's intense. There's conflict, um, but Definitely. but it, it was it was wonderful. Really, really good. Uh, there you go. Um, I am very happy that we listened to two of these amazing, highly esteemed albums. Um, Me too. And it's just great to confess ourselves before the music public (laughs) and say we hadn't listened to these albums. We now have rectified our errors. (laughs) Indeed. Penance has been paid. it's, It's it's really, it's really great to actually get in and start thinking about these things, not only from not necessarily from our music, personal musical tastes, but from a historical musical standpoint and where, you know, where they fit into the great big narrative of Western music. Yeah. The, the only thing that I struggle with listening to these older albums is, like I said before, I do feel like sometimes I'm listening to music of another era that isn't fresh and vital and relevant today because yeah. so many people are inspired Like you're in a museum it. looking at an artifact. You are in a museum looking at an artifact and you go, okay, that sound, Bob Dylan was doing this crazy um, combination of folk and electric and rock and roll and poetry, beat poetry then. Yeah. So many people have tried to do it since that you go, it's not as fresh and vital and as relevant as it must have been back then. It doesn't have yeah. that impact on me. My, yeah. He isn't as heroic to me. Um, that's my only thing, difficulty when I listen to these records is I can point to other albums and yeah. other influences and, and those kind of things. Um, but I will revisit For these sure. albums and I'm very glad that I've listened to them. Mm, well, I'll definitely revisit Joni Mitchell. Yeah, okay, interesting. Not, not Bob Dylan, as you mentioned, bit, bit too much for you. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not like it's too much. It's just that it's, it's like, I I would happily read and think about the lyrics, but not necessarily listen, hear the sounds. It's not a beautiful album, is it? Where Joni Mitchell's album is a beautiful. No, but that was the thing I struggled with as well, is that I I don't actually usually go for beautiful sounds. I usually go for ugly Mm. sounds, but 
it, it wasn't, it was just um, something grated me about it, you know, like it just sort of, there's something didn't move, it didn't move me enough um, and um, the sounds didn't appeal to me. The sounds themselves mm. didn't appeal and um and I'm happy to go for for musicians whose vocals don't sound nice. Like I love listening to the Jesus Lizard, and those vocals yep. are horrible. Good point. Like w- way way more atonal than Bob Dylan. Yep. Like I reckon that yep. guy couldn't actually sing. <laughs> like I don't think. He, yeah. I reckon he couldn't if he wanted to. But I reckon Bob and Bob Dylan does at occasions sing yes. very much in tune. Anyway, so yeah, it just it was just, I, it's hard to explain, and maybe I'll be able to um, with more thought be able to articulate exactly why it is that uh, it it doesn't appeal to me and that I wouldn't give it an uh, another good solid listen but um something about it just just doesn't strike me or grab me it is traditional music it's 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 blues it's ragtime it's yeah. it's um it's yeah folk music it's rock and roll yeah. um yeah it's not challenging or unique or different music but his lyrics and, and vocal delivery are. Yeah, not by today's standards anyway. Correct, correct. There you go. Yeah. That is our confession, our review, our experience listening to 1965 album Highway 61 Revisited by Bob Dylan and 1971's Blue by Joni Mitchell. As we wrap up, Leon, I've got a fact of the week. I feel like I'm bringing it down into the gutter Hit me. with this, but... Anyway, after listening to two literate, beautiful <laughs> albums, I'm going to bring it down a bit, and I apologise in yeah. advance. I'm just going to you got to you got to give it balance. You know, I got to give it balance. Here we go. Axel Rose, that beautiful poet laureate, lyric master <laughs> of beautiful music, <laughs> Axel Rose. Yes, it is a quirky stage name because it's an anagram. Axel Rose is an anagram. If you put the word the the letters really? in a right in the right order, if you put the letters in the right order. It spells out oral sex. His real name. Oh, my goodness. Really? Correct. Is that really why? I don't know if that's why. That's a fact. That's a fact of the week right there. Here's the other parts of that. It is a fact, I suppose. His real name, which I didn't know this, the real name of Axl Rose is William Bailey. Bill Bailey, if you will. Bill Bailey. <laughs> Bill Bailey. I love it. There you go, <laughs> listeners. That is our second episode of Confessionals of Confession Booth. Remember to hit us up on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Supersonic Chat. You can send us an email, an electronic mail to supersonicchat at gmail.com. And also, if you like what you hear and you've got a couple of minutes, spread the word and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts because it helps people see and and people then who've never heard our thought experiments before might get a chance to see it. And uh, if you like what you hear, tell us why. Love it. Thank you, Leon. That was another excellent episode of Supersonic Chat. I had a great time and I look forward to seeing you the same time next week. (laughs) 